Assalamu alaikum. Welcome and thank you for downloading the Ministry of Dawa podcast. Search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. This week's topic is gold, silver, or bronze. Alhamdulillahi nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lah wa man yudlilhu fala hadiya lah wa ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh dear brothers and sisters We have seen in London the emergence of the Olympics the athletes arriving, people going to the Olympic village, the athletes coming to the airports. And there has been a buzz in the country, in London, for the last maybe four years, maybe even more, about the Olympics. And we have seen the preparation that the British government, that the British people have put into the Olympics. The building of new stadiums, the building of new facilities, the building of the Olympic village. On top of that, we have also seen athletes who they have been, who on general train for about 30 hours a day, but actually if you take it in their lifespan, they train from a very young age until they come to the Olympics. Until they come to the Olympics. What we have found is that these athletes who train from a very young age until they come to the Olympics, so I'm talking about maybe 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds, who train from that age with the view and with the aim that, inshallah, for them, one day they will go to one of the Olympics, whether it's 2016, whether it's 2020. A personal example that I have of that is actually my friend at school, secondary school. He was known as the fastest runner. Um, and he was actually one of the fastest runners within the country. So he was the best out of all the secondary school students in the country. He then spent the next of his life for 10 years trying to come to this particular Olympics, the Olympics that has come in 2012. He didn't make it, but he gave his, up his time, he gave up his money, he gave up his education, he trained hard day in, day out, year in, year out, with one purpose, with one goal that I want to go to a 2012 Olympics. Why am I discussing this? What is the relevance of this for us? Alhamdulillah, we have entered Ramadan. We have entered the blessed days of Ramadan, where its days are the best, where its nights are the best, where within it contains the best days, Laylatul Qadr, where within it we can get our sins forgiven and increase in our reward. But the question we should ask ourselves is, have we prepared for Ramadan? See, these athletes, they have prepared for the Olympics, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's one thing. It's a game. That's all it is. That's what's called the Olympic Games. It's just a game. But they have given their life. They have spent year on year, day upon day, month upon month for this Olympics. Whereas for us, Ramadan is the month in which we can have all of our sins forgiven. In the month in which we can increase in our reward, a month in which we can gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a month in which we can attain Jannah and stay away from the fire. But have we prepared? Or have we just sleepwalked into Ramadan? Now we know that the Sunnah of the Prophet was what? Aisha radiallahu anha tells us that the Prophet he would not prepare one week in advance, he would not prepare two weeks in advance, not three. The Prophet would prepare two months in advance of Ramadan. And he would start off with the dua, as we are all taught when we are young. 
اللهم بارك لنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان Oh Allah, make the month of uh, Rajab and Shaban blessed for us and let us reach the month of Ramadan. I.e. that prolong our life so we can come to Ramadan so that we may benefit from its merits. This is the dua the Prophet would make in Rajab, 60 days from Ramadan. This is the mindset that the Prophet would have before he even approached Ramadan. If we look at the Prophet in Shaban, we know that Aisha anha again tells us that the Prophet would fast 15 days of Shaban, the first 15 days. And she would narrate that he would fast as if he would not break his fast anymore, as if he would fast the whole of Shaban. And then he would come to the 15th, in some cases the 20th of Shaban, and he would stop. And it would be as if he would not fast. So he would fast the majority of that month. Why, brothers and sisters? It was because the Prophet was trying to get his body, was trying to get his mind prepared for Ramadan. That when he entered into Ramadan, his body would not find it difficult. He would not be thinking, Subhanallah, when am I going to eat? When am I going to do this? Instead of thinking about Allah reading Quran. Did we do this in Shaban? We should ask ourselves. Shaban is now left for us. But did we do this in Shaban? Where, or did we think to ourselves, oh, don't worry, let Ramadan come. And once we enter into Ramadan, we're now complaining. We're now saying, SubhanAllah, the hours are too long. Why doesn't the food come? Why is the iftar not good? And this is us missing the blessings of Ramadan. We know that the Sahaba, Ridwanallahi alayhi ajma'in, what did they do? They had the best sunnah in one sense. Is that before Ramadan came, six months, some of the ulama narrated that six months before Ramadan came, they would make preparation for Ramadan. They would recite this dua. They would look forward to Ramadan. They would increase as the days got closer to Ramadan in their charity, in their zikr, in their Qur'an. And once they came to Ramadan and they, they went to Ramadan, the next five months they would spend praying to Allah, making dua to Allah, Ya Allah, accept our Ramadan, accept our good deeds. So in essence they spent the whole year around Ramadan. Now we should ask ourselves, when's the first time we thought of Ramadan? Was it when we went to the Jumma last week? Was it when someone told us? Was it by accident? Well, don't we not care? Do we think, oh, it's just another month, we'll fast, alhamdulillah, that's the only difference that we have in That would be fine. In this month, in the month of Ramadan, it is known as the month of the Qur'an. It is the month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Qur'an from the seventh heaven to the first heaven. And the month in which the first, some of the ulama say the first ayat were revealed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us Shahrul Ramadan al-lazhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an wa hudal lil-nasi wa bayyinatin min al-huda wa al-bayyinatin min al-huda wa al-fulqan fanan shahida minkum al-shahra khayyasum sadaqallahu al-azim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 85 The month of Ramadan in which we revealed the Qur'an a guidance for the people and clear proof of guidance and a criterion for the whole of mankind. So whoever sights the moon, whoever sees the moon, let him fast. Look at how Allah describes the Quran. That He revealed in this month. So this is not any old month for us. This is the most blessed month because the Quran came. But look what the Quran came for. It came first of all for guidance for us. 
high. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to guide us away from the munkar and the evil. Because we, don't, we can't make those judgments ourselves. We don't know what is good and we don't know what is bad. So Allah is telling us, this is the guidance and the criterion Allah has sent. The question we should ask is, before I even talk about us reading the Qur'an, what have we been doing the other 11 months? Have we been following the Qur'an? Have we read the Qur'an in the other 11 months? Have we opened it? Have we thought of it as a guidance? So have we just thought to ourselves, ah, don't worry, let Ramadan come, and then in Ramadan I'll become pious. The other 11 months, let me get the sin. And then in Ramadan I'll wipe it away. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, this is a Triton for in Ramadan and out of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the Triton for which Muslims, ourselves, that we live by. Have, do we think of the Qur'an like that? And then in Ramadan, are we going to pick this Qur'an up and read it? It's probably been for many of us that the Qur'an has been gathering dust on our shelves. It has been left there and we're thinking, oh don't worry, it's there, it's covered in a nice wrapper. And it's left and the dust is gathering. But that's not the purpose of the Qur'an. It's supposed to be followed, it's supposed to be a guidance. And in Ramadan, we should open this Qur'an, not just read it, and you know, rush through it as is sometimes the custom, whether in Tarawih or whether when we're reading alone, but contemplate over its verses. Contemplate what is my Lord trying to tell me? What am I supposed to attain in my life? What is my life about? How do I come close to Allah? These are the things that some of the things that will be going through us in Ramadan. If one thinks about it, there is a beautiful wisdom in Ramadan. In Ramadan, we forsake eating and drinking and having relations with our wives, for those who are married. So in Ramadan, in origin, things we do over that 11 months. So we may eat, we may drink halal meat, uh, halal food and halal drinks, and we may have relationships with our wives. Meaning origin, in the other 11 months, are permitted. However, in Ramadan, these things which in origin are permitted, are made haram for us. Why? Because it is a training for us. A training that if we in Ramadan can stay and obey Allah and stay away from the food, stay away from the drink, stay away from our wives, then the other 11 months we will be able to stay away from the haram that Allah has set us. The haram that Allah has said, do not approach, do not go close to. This is the thinking, this is the approach we should have. But do we have the approach or do we have the approach of, I am as I would like to call it, the Ramadan Muslim. I become super pious in this month. The Taub comes out, the Atar comes out, the Qur'an comes out, people go their beards, people call their girlfriends and say, don't worry, I'll see you on Eid day, not these 30 days. You know, they avoid their friends, the Shisha will disappear, and they think, this is the month I will become pious. And some people, they go 10 days like this, and then it collapses. Some people go 20 days like this in Ramadan, then it collapses. Some people go the full 30 or 29 days, and then on Eid day it collapses. They think to themselves, now let me go back to my old way. Now let me go back to what I was before. Let me go back to my girlfriend. Let me go back to the munkar and the haram. And these people, they don't think, it hasn't occurred to them that Ramadan was a training for the next 11 months. It was a training for us so that we can get through the next 11 months. And we live, unfortunately, in a society where the munkar is easy. It's prevalent. It's easy to do. Nobody will batter an eyelid. But when you want to do the good deeds, people will question you once and twice and three times. So we, think, we don't think to ourselves that these good deeds should shape us in Ramadan. That if I read Quran during Ramadan, 
in the next month I should continue reading Quran. If I am fasting during Ramadan, at least in the next month I should fast Monday and Thursday. If I am praying during Ramadan, in the next month I should continue those prayers. I increase them. Pray the Salatul Tahajjud, pray the Salatul Duha, the Salatul Awwabin. If I am giving charity, I should increase on my charity after Ramadan, for it is a training. But that is not the way we approach it, unfortunately. And that is something we need to look at for ourselves. Alhamdulillah, however, there are some Muslims who, if during the month of Rajab and during the month of Shaban, they made the effort, they made the sacrifices and they prepared themselves for Ramadan. They increased in their tilawa of Qur'an. They gave more charity as Ramadan approached, so they could give more charity during it. They fasted those days. But for them, it shouldn't be one of these. We should not think too much of, I did this. And so because I did this, alhamdulillah, I'm saved. No. For them, they should think, in Ramadan, I want to increase this, and throughout the year, I want to continue this. I want to keep up this practice. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in a hadith that the best deeds are not the ones that you do a lot in one day, but are the constant ones, are the ones you perform on a daily basis. So it is better for one to read the Qur'an 15 minutes every day than to read the Qur'an for two hours one day and miss the whole of the week. It is better for the one to give a little charity, give five pounds once a day for every day, instead of giving them give 200 pounds once a day and give no more charity. It is better for the one that he thinks to himself, I am going to do the good deeds constantly, instead of thinking I am going to do all the good deeds on one day and then go back to my original state. This is for us that something we should practice in inshallah. However, for the ones who come to this month and they gain nothing from this month, other than what the Prophet ﷺ tells us. They gain pains in their legs when they stand in Taraweeh. And they gain uh, thirst in their throats. And they gain a hungry stomach. And that's all they attained in Ramadan. Truly, they are the losers. And why do I say First of all, because there is a hadith. And this is a long hadith, I'll paraphrase inshallah. Where the Prophet ﷺ was in Medina Mosque. And he was stepped on the first step of the mimbar. And he said, Ameen. And the Sahaba were watching and they were thinking, what's the Prophet doing? He never does this. He stepped on the second step of the mimbar and he said, Ameen. And he stepped on the third step of the mimbar and he said, Ameen. And so when the Prophet then came to the Sahaba, the Sahaba asked, Ya Rasulullah, we saw you do something we have never seen you do. What, what made you say those things? Say, Ameen on the steps. So the Prophet said that, while he was stepping on the mimbar, when he stepped on the first step, Jibreel came to him and he said to him, uh, Woe to him who in spite of having provided with the month of Ramadan, fails to obtain the forgiveness of Allah during this month. And on the other two steps, he said that woe to him who does not say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, after mentioning the Prophet's name, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And on the third step, it was said, Woe to him who does not attain Jannah when he has one or two old parents and he is not able to attain. Look, and the Prophet said, Ami, look at the language being used here. That Jibreel is making the dua, the angel of Allah is making the dua, and the Prophet of Allah is saying, Ami to. We know what the character of the Prophet is. He's very soft, he's very gentle as the Quran describes him. Yet in this case, when Jibreel says, Woe to the one who he comes to Ramadan, we can't attain the forgiveness. And the Prophet says, Ameen. This is how blessed Ramadan is that you can have all your sins forgiven. But the one who 
goes through Ramadan and is not able to attain that forgiveness, is not able to attain the mercy of Allah, surely he is one of the losers. He is the one who, if Allah does not forgive him, he will be in Jahannam. What can be worse that for some of us who we have done sin throughout the whole year, throughout our whole lives, this one month we can use, we can ob- obtain the reward and remove all the sin. And even in this month when the shaitan is locked up, so the doors of Jannah are open, the doors of Jahannam are closed, their good deeds, their reward is increased. So the one who performs the sunnah, he gets the reward of the fard. The one who performs the fard, Allah will reward him as much as he likes, whatever he likes. All of these, all of these uh, incentives are given, but even then we are not able to get our sins forgiven. Surely he deserves to be among the losers then. Surely he deserves to be the one who doesn't deserve the mercy of Allah. If after Ramadan, the blessed month, where there is no shaitan, where people can't say shaitan came in this way, that he is not able to forgive his sins. He is not able to forget his, forget his sins forgiven. These are some, inshallah, some nasiha, some words for myself, for yourself, inshallah. Anything that I have said which is wrong, which is incorrect, then may Allah forgive me. All the good that has been said, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وآخر دعوانا والحمد لله رب العالمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Thanks for downloading this podcast You can subscribe to it from our blogspot at centralmod.blogspot.com to receive our weekly podcast Assalamu alaikum